Hey everyone, and welcome to the Offsite Podcast, where we chat all things construction, technology, and everything in between. My name is Carlos, and I spend most of my days talking to construction teams about how they deliver projects. And I'm Jason, and I build software for construction. So today, we're going to mix that up a bit. We've shared our first few pods with some close mates in the construction industry, and they're keen to hear a bit more about new startups in the space. So Jason, what have you got for us today? So yeah, Carlos, like you said, uh, the feedback we got from the first few people that listened to our, to our attempts at a podcast basically said that in construction, it's kind of like a bubble. Then they don't get to hear about the startups that are constantly coming to try and make this like wave of innovation that everyone's always talking about happen. So we thought what we'd try is maybe once a quarter, we'd go and pull the latest set of startups that have been funded, I guess, in the last quarter or raise funding rounds in the last quarter and pick a couple of them to talk, talk about, maybe think about whether or not it would be a good venture um, yeah. and, and maybe talk about what impact that might have on projects and construction teams. So I've, uh, I've gone through the list and I've picked my, uh, I've picked, I don't want to say best four. I've picked four. Okay. First one. First one is uh, it's a company called Jumba or Jumba. They recently raised four and a half million as a second round funding. Their prior raise was about a million uh, US dollars. They are uh, in Kenya. Uh, and the goal of the company is to simplify sourcing of construction supplies. So I guess high level idea is they're essentially like a just-in-time wholesaler for construction materials. So Apparently, across Kenya, small hardware stores are on almost every block, and these hardware stores supply the materials like concrete and bolts, and that's for a lot of projects in Kenya. So Jumba aggregates, or Jumba, and get it right one if I do both, uh, aggregates these orders essentially. So if you're a hardware store or a construction project, you order through their platform. And they aggregate the orders to get volume pricing and manage the logistics uh, to get the materials to the stores or the projects directly. Right. So just so I'm super clear on this. So instead of the large builder merchant that we're used to over here, where they've got a network of stores and supplies, it's the complete opposite, which is lots of independence all feeding one customer, kind of. Yeah, I, in sure my head when I was reading about it, yeah, when I was reading about it, I was picturing a lot of like hardware being bought through off licenses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it sounds pretty interesting. It's particularly if if you haven't got these large organizations in place, you're never going to get decent pricing because independents need to make their margin and you're not going to get that volume. The thing that jumps out to me immediately is, and if we think about that setup on a construction project in the UK or Australia, quality control seems like an absolute nightmare. If you're sourcing like something from 10 different places, how do you know if it's even the right or the same spec every time without checking every batch in the example of, of I don't know, concrete? Yeah. So uh seems like that's the biggest standout uh, in terms of an issue, I guess. Also, going, going back to the thing that we were talking about last week around uh, how teams purchase um, things generally with like purchase orders, et cetera, I would imagine that uh, a network of small corner shops uh I, I i can't imagine the the purchasing infrastructure is anywhere the same as what we're or you'd be used to in the uk i guess for me the thing that was interesting was it kind of felt like amazon for construction materials down to the way like even in the uk if you think about how amazon uses 
a network of uh, small shops or off licenses as like a de final delivery partner. It'd be slightly different in that I imagine that the hardware stores are making a margin. So from what I read that they, there's like a, a pricing through the, this Jumbo platform, the hardware store can sell at their margin and, and make a margin on the sale. But I'd be worried if I was uh, one of the hardware store uh, owners that essentially as this platform scales, you can imagine the margin gets kind of squeezed out of the whole thing for the, and then they end up just essentially being a delivery depot. Yeah, I mean, you're going to eventually you're going to have a, a critical mass where everyone becomes competitive in price, and you end up with, yeah, yeah, it's like, like Uber, right? like, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I guess people, just, it's good. to spin it, they've obviously done quite well. That it's a second raise and it's multi-million dollars, so there must be some traction. I can imagine over here, if you get works done on your house, the builders are always shooting off to the shops to buy various bits and pieces. It's not the same purchasing as a big project, obviously. So there's probably this market in the non-infrastructure critical government project space where it could actually be really useful. So it's, yeah, it's, it's an interesting concept. And there's not really the equivalent here of a platform that sources from multiple vendors that I'm aware of. There's just, you pick your builder's merchant, they give you a discount or a trade price and, and off you go. So, um, uh, in, in Australia, yeah. it's, uh, it's even more concentrated. You go to Bunnings and that's it. Um, <laughs> okay. Giant yeah. warehouses that you just go and get every, sell everything that you could possibly need. Yeah, okay, I wouldn't cool. like to be the that's, commercial uh, lead on that project, dealing with all the um, purchase yeah, okay. orders and ads. <laughs> like you said, Q, QA and trying to put records together. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. All right, nice. the second one. The second one is a company from the US. Uh, it's called rivet.work or rivet. The domain is rivet.work. They raised 5.6 million, uh, which takes the total raise to date to 8.2 million. And their high level goal is labor operations software for construction contractors. So the summary is essentially that they help like trade contractors. So think like electrical plumbing contractors uh, on projects plan and deploy the people that they have to the projects that they like the jobs or projects that they have so their platform essentially covers the like planning of work you've got your resources as your people in this platform and then you're assigning the people to those jobs and it's sort of sequencing up so that they know that across the next week these are the jobs are doing and there's like a, a mapping component so that presumably that like the things that are kind of close to each other, they're the ones that you do together. When um, you say jobs, do you mean and then, activities that are projects or multiple projects? No, thinking, think, um, think smaller projects. So, so like a trade contract that might do, it might have one job that lasts a couple of days, but might also have three jobs yeah. in a day, that type of thing. And so, yeah, they can schedule the work, uh, essentially get that into like a to-do list to all the people. Uh, and then, have them log that they've done that thing. The, yeah, so US, I think they were in a bunch of states, I think originally from Detroit and yeah, 5.6 million raised. So that's not, that's not nothing either. There's, there's definitely a space for that type of process that I've not seen tackled here, where 
each morning you've got your superintendent or your senior foreman on site going, right, you three guys are on this task and you three guys are on this task. So most people resource load a program saying, I need three sparkies and three concreters, but they don't say who's going to be there. And we make assumptions on who that probably is going to be because they're in a gang and they're led by super, supervisor X. So I can imagine um, there's, there's definitely a space here um, which sort of validates it as sounding like quite a useful app because at the moment that's all done verbally as far as we're aware on projects and we've had requests to be able to do something like that um, which is ultimately building out a site diary at the end of the day too because it shows who did what and where. Uh, looking at the, the platform I, it's clear that they have this niche of like trade contractors as their customer um, which you know, a decent bunch of people in a company going to potentially multiple jobs every day. So there is like a forecasting and then a sign. Like a Danny Sullivan or one of the big labor guys here, that sort of thing. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I I was surprised. I don't know. I'll send you through the uh, link here, but I'm surprised by the interface of the system. It kind of looks, it's hard to throw stones because our early versions were not beautiful at all. Um, but it does, it looks pretty Data. I don't know if you've got it there. <laughs> and, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> going, but going to what you were saying, which is like if you just think about this similar problem in in larger projects, I'm I'm somewhat surprised it's not a solved problem, but it's also very hard. Like the there are platforms like uh, Asina and Bridget Bench, which um, one's US, I think the other might be Australian. I can't recall which tried to do what you described, which is some amount of, instead of just saying, I need three electricians saying it's these three electricians. But if we, if we think about how labor gets allocated on a typical construction project, that labor allocation, I don't know, in my experience happens on the day, almost the morning, the morning of the, you know, at the pre-start. Yeah. And I've seen it in um, utilities a lot. So they get, you get, like a bunch of tickets effectively, which is, this is your to-do list. And there's a system that basically plans out, right, you're in this area, so you could do these four things. And from what I've seen, they're always in-house systems. So we wouldn't really see it online because they're not selling it. They're not doing anything with it. It's just there. So, so there was a guy here the other day from BT just doing internet and he was like bashing away on an app. And it, and it looked awful, but yeah, so it, it just manages this whole day. He just follows the app and it tells him what to do, where to do it. and yeah but like but on bigger projects do you think that do you think that there will ever be a place where people are signing beforehand substantively beforehand the individual people to to the schedule or to a plan for me the most likely um and comparing it to how a project is currently functioning in terms of daily routine and meetings I'd imagine at the end of the day, your end of shift type meeting where you wrap up, discuss what happened, you'd probably think about tomorrow, right, who's going to be on which activities. So you might have the foreman saying, right, ABC is doing this. Um, so when they come in the next day, you've got your start to shift, but it's not, oh, what am I doing today? It's you're sort of, you're in the zone. You're going to have some sort of safety briefing and the general start to shift bits and pieces but you're already pre-assigned to the work that you're going to deliver rather than in the morning going, right, you're working on this. And yeah. I immediately think about how 
difficult, like, because it gets quite bitty and small and, like, I'm struggling to imagine um, from a software perspective an interface that does this in a a non a way that doesn't way. <laughs> it, it doesn't take the soup because it does, it's done by the supervisor usually like they're yeah. the, they're the person who's uh, charge of the people so and and it you know in my experience it, it they make it up in the morning before they go to the pre start meeting. So I really, because if you could assign them to that, you know, you tie that information with gate entry records and when people go and leave and like you've basically got a complete site diary almost like from what everyone was doing. Because if you know what tasks they were assigned to, you know, when they came and left, you've got your completed site diary, you just say, yes, that was it or no, it wasn't. So yeah. it'd be great if you could, but I, 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 I can't imagine, I'm just picturing all the supervisors I've worked with and I just can't imagine that they've got either the time or that a software could be simple enough to not make it cumbersome. Yeah, you want that bit of fluidity in the morning to just deal with what you have rather than try to predefine yeah. everything. Okay, third one, keep us moving. Now we're back over to Europe. We're talking about Spectre automation. Um, uh, they've raised 2.7 million euros and the pitch is the model-based construction execution system for managers and foremen. So that's, a, that's everything. Yeah. So, so uh, to, to, make, to give you a bit more detail on that, I'll send you a link through here. You can tell you actually every any of these before. <laughs> so I try to digest that. That sounds like then. Um, so yeah. this is, yeah, this is, it, this is a space that we're familiar with, right? So they, they the summary is that they, they claim to have like an X dimensional, they use the, the, the letter X as an algebra dimensional model linking BIM plus schedule plus a weekly plan plus something else to get to X, um, dimensions. So it seems to be a way to visualize model plus visualize schedule plus, plus visualize like a weekly work plan type thing and then run some sort of calculations over data to output more data. Yeah, uh, I guess, yeah, the space that we know well in terms of communicating plans, what, what do you think of this approach? And good logo, by the way, for those. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it's Casper the Ghost. The yeah, yeah. It immediately reminded me of James Bond. I was hoping it. <laughs> yeah, it looks it looks pretty interesting. Do you think this is connecting into P6 and Asta in terms of schedule? I I don't think from what I can see, I don't think that they do the um, scheduling in the application. But that that I may be wrong. But I I didn't see anything that gave me that indication. So yeah. there must be must be essentially like a visual uh, like a visualization piece to pull like from the model i don't think they're building the model there obviously so visualizing model and schedule and then maybe outputting the weekly plan yeah so i guess the obviously if you can fire a 3d model visually represent where activities taking place where people are working their plan for the day like that's got its clear advantages. Um, like we spoke about the other day with like the 4D sort of visualizations that people build in things like Synchro just to show people and you can obviously understand everything in a short period of time. Yeah, it's, uh, 
It's uh, pretty uh, slim on the website. <laughs> see see yeah, that information. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, for me, I just immediately put my uh, product hat on because, like, this is a problem. This is very similar to the problem that that we have to deal with. And from a product side, like scheduling plus anything is so hard because, from a UI perspective, the schedule has so much information just that needs to be presented at the same time already. So if you have a Gantt chart, you've got tasks, you've got date information, you've got lots of columns open. Oftentimes there's some sort of toolbars and controls. Yeah. There's like a Logic lot of, structure. as soon as you yeah. have a Gantt, yeah, as soon as you've got a Gantt chart, you've got a ton of things trying to fit into um, one interface. And then you add any like map or BIM element. And in my opinion, it's game over. Like you just can't have so many things going on on the screen. Obviously, like uh, Synchro and uh, tools like that do like split screen. Um, yeah. But un unless you've got a very superpower user on a massive screen, it's really difficult. And there's also like a context switching problem. So you're like looking at the schedule, you're looking at dates, and then you've got to jump back to the model. What dates were these that I'm looking at? Like when you're editing a video, I guess you've got the same problem. You're switching like what's on the video and the timeline because as time moves, the video moves. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a really hard uh, interface. And and they, you know they're going after their goal is to target foreman as Do you think, um, or user. There's lots of sort of ideas or tools that sound nice in theory, but if you immediately place yourself on site, and we have the benefit of doing that because we about some construction projects it's suddenly it's almost like the crazy box <laughs> to think that everyone will be in something like this every day this what will not be that simple bim model related uh system to say like allocating works yeah yeah um, out on site it's uh it, it, it works lovely well lo lovely and really well on the like 30 inch macbook screen in your office yeah. Uh, for the developer but when you get on site and you've got like a third i like a, i've got like someone's old laptop that's been handed down from when they like left the company that's like 13 inches wide and caked in dirt um it doesn't, it, it doesn't the best one would be when they say oh yeah cool can you send me a print <laughs> i need i need yeah. print a, a 4d model yeah uh yeah I, um, think, I think uh, i based on the limited screenshots we can see on the website um it doesn't look like it's going to be super simple um complexity for site teams we know not ideal they've got such a small amount of time to digest information let alone learn how to use this piece of software so i'd say it's fairly punchy but i can imagine on sort of smaller jobs and we've got an example here which is like a resi scheme bunch of flats where maybe you've just got one or two foremen and they are pretty keen on something like that you could probably have implements it pretty well move to a job when you've got hundreds of guys on site and lots of supervisors it's going to be hard going isn't it how, how many how many small resi like jobs have um linked 4d modules, do you reckon? uh this is the first one i've seen <laughs> yeah. yeah i've got i've got that experience in small <laughs> resi schemes i would bet it's like a handful Anyway, super tough yeah. challenge. Good luck, John. Um, yeah. So, final one is is the big one. Uh, so, company is called Cavazo, 
it's spelled K-E-W-A-Z-O. They're from what appears to be Germany, I think Munich. And I'm going to send you a video, which uh, Joe and the team might need to edit in here. The first sort of uh, 20 seconds, um, I'll let you, I'll let you watch it. Scaffolding, a difficult job for real men with great endurance. Every day at any given construction site, scaffolders transport up to five tons of materials in all weather conditions. But fewer and fewer want to do the job because scaffolding today remains an alarmingly dangerous and difficult manual activity. Kevazo cares about people. As a result, Kevazo introduces LiftBot, a robotic construction lift that supports scaffolders by automating operations. As a right. uh, cool, back up. <laughs> so, so obviously the be best line is uh, for real men with. Yeah, yeah. I, that's what you I, need. As soon as I heard that, I was like, "Oh fucking hell! They can't come to Europe, can they? They'll be like up in arms." This is for real men on site. <laughs> what a lie. No, they are, they are, they are from Europe. They're, they're from Germany. Oh, I'm sorry. So they assumed it would be like Texas. Yeah, then. yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. And, and, um, I didn't mention it before, but they've raised 10 million, uh, which would take their total amount raised to 20. Um, oh. and so for those, uh, for those listening at home, essentially, you know, what we've got is a tracked scaffold lift. So a, uh, a scaffold lift that attaches to the outside of scaffolding care that uh, has a, a, a platform and like a track on the inside of that that frame. And then this uh, little robot will climb, will roll up and down this, uh, this frame, essentially lifting scaffold from ground to the level that it's needed. It's powered by a battery. It takes 20 odd minutes to set up and then can sort of quickly move scaffold from, from top to bottom. Um, it's just for men. But you know, <laughs> it's only for men with great endurance. It does, it does you, look very cool. Like it looks like a cool gadget. If you've ever, like, if you've driven around London ever, you've seen the thing where there's like six people from a scaffolding van lobbing scaffold up to each other, like one to another to another, making like a a, a scaffold uh, conga line. So I'd imagine from a from a return on investment calculation, it's really easy. Like, can you drop three people to two in your crew, and what does it cost? What does what do you pay one person? And if this is if this is uh, letting you do that, it's a it's a, a clear win. <laughs> what do you what do you think? Are you buying one? <laughs> the immediate thing was obviously safety. So you mentioned there about the volume of guys who were trying to pull up equipment. Doesn't um, have to be guys, even though the video does say okay, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They very much be now into being a misogynist or. <laughs> um, I, uh, my own experience of scaffolding, obviously I was a QS before, so obviously I wasn't out looking at inspecting or touching scaffolding yeah. very often, but when I was back in college, I actually worked in the scaffolding yard as one of these temporary jobs. And, um, I had to basically in the rain, make piles of all the, the bits and pieces and just the, the like fan screw bits that you can sort of screw on the end of poles, they are heavy. If someone drops one of those off a scaffolding, like you're doing serious damage, whether you got a helmet on or not. So to stop scaffolders throwing those things around must be a big win. It makes a lot of sense for any scaffolding company because they can reduce headcount on jobs without compromising safety. So like that's a massive win. So you can see why they've raised so much money. 
albeit I don't know what BC is investing in a company that's only for men. That seems a bit nuts. But like, but, but there is also a thing at the moment, right, which exists, which is just a, a, a pulley hoist. So there's a little attachment that you stick in the top of the scaffold of the level that you're up to, and it's got two wheels, so it's like geared, and you just... But that's like saying, why well, build a wind farm when you can build a windmill? <laughs> like one of the old Dutch ones, like... Is it? It's exactly what it is, though. Yeah. <laughs> you want something okay, electric yeah. going up and down. <laughs> um, I'll give you a tip. Wind power is a bit of an extreme reference. Make the electricity. Yeah. You know, we've yeah. make the electricity. They're not a... Get yeah, one of those donkeys on a stick walking look around. <laughs> yeah, it, it looks cool. It clearly has use, which is saving cost or improving margin for the scaffolding company improving safety i'm going to guess it's not tens of thousands of pounds and you probably hire well, that's, it that's rather than have to purchase that's the thing that blows my mind which is like the fact that they've raised 20 million to date just from a just from the economics of that working you'd have to be projecting like a massive market like global scaffolding market or something and pretty big margins because like it, even if it is expensive it's expensive to make it's got a battery in it it's yeah. got a motor in it um yeah your car so, manufacturing is going to be yeah so for that to make for that to make sense i i really can't um, yeah i can't and i also i can't imagine that what they've built is so um is protectable like from an intellectual property perspective because even if they've got something unique about the gear system like there's so much that you could tweak and change to if it is good just cut like if it's successful here someone in the us yeah. makes an exact replica so i really don't yeah i, I struggle to I, I think it would be great like if i had a scaffolding crew i think it would yeah be a, if you were if you were on site now on a infrastructure project in the uk do you think you could just say, get me one of those and install it? Or do you think there's going to be all sorts of hurdles and safety and documentation? I think the first time you do that, like whenever you commission a crane or anything that lifts anything on a construction site, you have to commission it. And I don't know what it's like in the UK because uh, I've not not commissioned one there. But but in Australia, you you get like a a a, a body that comes to inspect um, that your thing is ready and commissioned and signs it off um and right. so i don't know whether this would get classified as like a, a lifting device or a crane because if it does then it's the, then it's definitely not 20 minutes so hopefully it isn't i'd imagine it's no different to like a a, a, a normal pulley lift or something but yeah you can imagine it's got power safes built in like too heavy or it's it's not stacked in the right way. So even that, then, you've the got to, then you've got to keep getting it. It's got to be keep getting inspected or whatever. Cause if something like that breaks and then drops yeah. and a piece of scaffold drops. So you could, you could imagine someone in a safety team taking it to the nth degree and making it too hard to, to, to purchase, but yeah. or, or hire or whatever. Um, but looks so cool. Yeah. Just needs uh, to work on their messaging a bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's the summary there. So, uh, so Carlos, that's like four software or technology companies that have raised money in the last, let's say two, three months. Yeah, it's, I think it's an interesting overview of like the breadth of what is construction technology. And I guess the, the places people find 
problems or uh, things that need solving and the different ways that people go about about solving them. Yeah, pretty interesting that they're all um, like proper site related technology as well. So we see so much around like obviously 4D back of office type stuff, which is only for a select number of people on site. So this is actually directly going to help people deliver jobs out in the field, which is cool. Awesome. Thanks for that, Jason. That's pretty much all we had time for today. So as always, thank you very much for listening.